Welcome back, Buck Bros, to a very special Festivus edition of the Buck Bros podcast. It is Friday, December 23rd, and the Bucks are coming off another incredibly embarrassing loss, this time against the Cincinnati Bengals, where we blew a huge halftime lead. Uh, I would like to welcome back my Buck Bros, Zach, Ryan, Bryce. How y'all feeling? Hey, Bucasters. Uh, man, another... Uh, I don't even know how to explain this loss. Uh, There's a season of giving, and we sure were giving up a lot to the Bengals in that second half. So happy Festivus, everybody. Got a lot of problems with you people, and you're going to hear about it on this podcast. Yeah, that is what we're here to do is we're here to hear about it. Zach, I want to hear from you. What bothered you the most about this game? Um, other than, I mean, overall, obviously blowing a lead like that at halftime was frustrating. Um, I would say the turnovers, I would say the decision-making from the coaching staff, Brady at large, uh, I just was not, I don't know. I, I, it's like, he's got the yips. I don't know what's going on. I know the line's not good and he's been forcing throws all year, but the turnovers, the, the punt thing at the beginning of that second half really set the tone for what was coming. Stupidest uh, decision ever. I do not understand going for a fake punt with a two-touchdown lead to begin the half in your own territory. Like, what? Just, just what were you thinking, Todd Bowles? I, I don't understand it. And maybe the guy who's supposed to catch the snap should be really aware of what's happening too. That would probably help. You know, and they, but, they were going back and forth blaming each other. You know, oh, you know, uh, Bulls didn't tell me or Gio knew and he just didn't. I blame you both. I blame the team and the coaches up and down for not knowing what's going on in that situation. You're both to blame. And it was just, it was just absolutely embarrassing. And as far as the line's concerned, uh, Donovan Smith uh, – he's the worst person alive right now to me. And there's a lot of terrible people on the planet, but he's just awful. But this was not one of those games where he looked all that bad. I, I saw him from like 35 feet away, handle his business the entire first half. And then, and then they just gave up. I don't understand what happened to this team. And I'm, we need explanations and we need them quickly because this team is going to get routed in the playoffs. And I don't think, you know, I, I don't think that that's necessary. I mean, that's the worst part for me is what you just said. You've got a glimpse in the first half of what this team is capable of when they don't make mistakes and when they can methodically move the ball. We ran play action fake all up and down the first half. And look what happened. We get off to a 17-3 lead and then everything falls apart. You know, it, it starts with the coaching decision and fourth down to fake punt it when we haven't run a fake punt pretty much all year. I can't remember the last one we ran. We started one. Okay, Bryce is saying one. Sorry, but, no, yeah, we no, no, we haven't run a single uh, fake punt. I was trying to say that Geo Bernard has not been in our punt formation all season long. Here he comes in, right? Like, hello, other team. We might be doing a fake. It made no sense. It just made no sense. So, so it's like in that moment, 
you know, the decision-making from the coaching staff, even to put Gio in that position, but not have everybody on the same page, one moment caused this team to just crumble. It was one little moment of a misstep that caused this team to crumble. And then we see fumble, fumble, interception, um, you know, just all kinds of mistakes. And that's the most disappointing thing is that this team can fold so easily when everything is going right because of one mistake. And this is just not a team that can overcome that mistake. So it's, it's frustrating to watch live when it happens. And, you know, it was, it was outrageous uh, because you bring up a good point as far as the play action is concerned. Uh, we did the same exact thing in the Browns game where we, we got out to a big lead and we, we, were, we were making them look foolish. We looked great on offense. And then we ran the play action twice in the second half against the Browns. We did the same exact thing in this game and to hear Todd Bowles say, well, you know, this is a glimpse of what we can do referring to the first half when the season has been a showing of what we do in the second half, which is lose. And just to, you're just a perpetual loser at that point. I just don't understand. And then to have Byron Leftwich come out and say, the only stat that matters to him is he's a scoring guy, but we're the 28th ranked scoring offense. Brady's going to put up half the number of touchdowns this year as he did last year. And we have what three rushing touchdowns on the season. I just, when are we going to start scoring? Yeah, we're averaging 17.8 points a game to your point, John, it was 28th in the league. That is almost two touchdowns less than what we were averaging the last two seasons with essentially the same offensive personnel minus, you know, the offensive line I get, we had big losses there. But, I mean, it just screams, you know, terrible play calling. And I think we've touched about on this subject multiple times on this podcast that I think it all stems from coaching, right? Um, it, you know, there just seems to be this, def- like, defeatist attitude that when another team makes a play or we don't make a play, um, that there are no answers or no, there, we have no answers to respond to the other team's counterpunch, right? And it's just been going that way all season. And to see the attitude of the players walking off the field, you know, after such a deflating second half kind of says everything you need to know. Uh, There is just no, you know, there's no one. I I won't even say want, just, you know, just a very defeated attitude. And I think that goes from the coach, that's from the coaching. Um, But yeah, I just, you know, and it's also interesting that the second half, the defense, you know, really kind of bailed us out in those first two turnovers. You know, they held them to a field goal after the failed fake punt. Then, you know, it was going to be a 26-yard sack of Joe Burrow on fourth down, but a holding call against Levante David that had no freaking impact on the play whatsoever. Love that flag when it's a flag that has no, no bearing on the play. Nonetheless, it's called. Then we stop on third down, but there we go, right? We've got another face mask penalty that kept the drive going and they scored a touchdown. Then after that, the uh, wheels obviously completely fell off and we saw what we saw. But, um, you know, it's interesting. Again, here we sit in first place in the NFC South, the obviously the worst division in football. Um, and we've got three games against, you know, very subpar teams, losing teams that we should win. If you play like you did in the first half, you will win those games. But, uh, you know, I really don't know what to expect. And even if we do win the NFC South, 
obviously I don't see us going very far in the playoffs playing the way we are. Yeah, I was going to say, the Bengals had 154 yards in the second half, scored 31 points. Like, I, I feel really bad for this defense. Bryce's point, like, they tried. Like, they're going to come away from this game. Their points per game look, goes way up. People look at this score and think, oh, my God. The defense deserves so much better than 31 points on 150 yards. I mean, it's insane. The, the fields we gave them were so short. Time after time in the second half, I don't uh, – the mistakes are so hard to overlook. And Ryan's right. I mean, we can't – we don't have punchback. We just don't because we can't we, – we can't push the ball. The only time we can push the ball is when there's two minutes left and the defense is in prevent and, you know, Brady's calling plays out of a no huddle. That's the only time we can get, get us the points. The, everything has, the stars have to align for us to be in that situation. We obviously can't play with the lead. Even when in games we've won, we've tried to give up leads. Uh, and then the rest of the game, we have to come back to win. I don't, it's crazy to look at this team right now and compare them to the week one performance that we saw. Two completely different teams. And we may have to compare it to that week one performance with the possibility of the Cowboys coming into town in that first round of the playoffs. But what I'd like to do now, as is, as is Festivus tradition, is the airing of grievances. And what I'd like to do is I'd like, instead of looking back on the game and we can nitpick it or looking ahead to, you know, Christmas Day's game, I'd like to take this opportunity to get it all out and each one of us pick one major grievance that we have with this team and get it all out, tear it apart, whoever it may be, whether it's Todd Bowles or it's the offense or it's the fans, whatever it may be. And I'd like to start with Ryan. Please lead us off. Well, I, I, I'm going to take the layup on this one. It's definitely the coaches, you know, and I, I don't, I'm not going to single out. I think Todd Bowles has the most responsibility as the head coach, Byron Leftwich, um, the special teams coordinator. I don't know if you guys saw it after that. Oh, I saw a replay of it and he just looked like the kid who didn't get a Christmas toy. Oh my God. He seemed so sad. I almost felt bad for him, but then I realized that he's not very good at his job. So my biggest grievance is coaching. I think it affects not just what we were saying in decision-making and personnel and play calling, but it also affects the mood of the team. You look at Todd Bowles response in press conferences. It's, Oh, the players got to sort it out. There's just like no accountability. There's no belief that we have the answers, like Bryce said. So for me, far and away, this coaching staff took a team that was 13 and four division winners, you know, coming off a Super Bowl win and almost getting to another NFC championship, falling a couple plays short of that. And they've made it into a six and eight team. So, yeah, coaches all day, biggest grievance. How about you, Bryce? Yeah, Ryan, that was also going to be my biggest grievance. But, you know, in the spirit of the festival or the festivus, if you will, uh, my grievance will actually be on, and I won't take John's as I know where John's going with this, but I'm going to go with, uh, you know, I, I hate to do it, but Tom Brady, I've got some grievances against you the last two games, um, especially that second half. He, you know, he played his worst football I've ever seen. Well, I didn't see it, but he played his worst football based on the stats in that 49ers game. And then that second half, I mean, the, inter the first interception he was throwing to break, that's all on him. Uh, he couldn't handle the snap to Fournette, that's all on him. I, I get that the second interception was a fluke, 
but he just hasn't played well or to his standards, um, you know, this season, right? You mentioned it, John. He's, you know, about to, you know, only score half the touchdowns he did last season. Um, you know, it's not like he doesn't have zip on the ball. You know, I, I still see him throw rifles over the middle, right? But his deep passes just aren't there. We're not attacking the field like we did last season. You know, so it's hard for me to say I'm very, I, I'm, very I'm not totally grievanced against Tom Brady, but that would be my grievance uh, in the spirit of this pessimist. Tell me about it, Zach. What, what's getting under your skin, bud? Uh, I mean, I would have probably gone with Ryan's, but I think next on my list would probably be the front office and Jason Light and bringing in wide receivers. When you have Ali retire, you lose Kappa, your line gets really thin and you decide to invest that money in wide receivers who don't even play a lot. I guess that's probably where I would go. I just, I think the team wasn't really set up with the depth it needed to sustain the injuries that we've had. I mean, you lose Jensen really early, you lose Worf's late, got retirements. The line is a shambles. It has been for months. You know, that's an important part of your offense. You have an old quarterback, you know, how important play action is for him to succeed. And you, you put the money into unproven or aged wide receivers i don't know we're paying a lot of money to guys like russell gage congrats on getting some touchdowns that mean nothing i mean it's just the team was not really set up i think some of the moves were good and keanu neal's been a nice addition kim hicks would be cool to see i don't know but i i think from a front office perspective there's a lot that was left on the table for this team and i just don't think they they did a good job of uh committing resources to the right places all great points and that's why i appreciate the the discussion i'm gonna go with the most disgusting thing i've seen so far this season and that was the fans the fans in the tampa bay stadium this weekend were among the worst i've ever encountered this was my first game since the 2020 season when tom brady came in i i I had i had moved away but prior to that, I we had been to several games a season for years, and I have never seen a more lackluster, just pissy, boring-ass crowd than I did this Sunday. It was disgusting. First of all, there was more Bengals fans in that stadium than you would have seen in downtown Cincinnati. Our entire section, it, it, it boggled my mind. They don't even have their own chant. They chant, who day? It's not even their own chant. They stole it from the Saints. I hate this. And in, in every single one of them lived here. Not one out-of-state license plate. Just all in-town Florida license plates at this tailgate wearing orange and black. I hated it. I've never walked through the concourse of Raymond James Stadium and heard someone yell, Tampa, and no one respond, Bay. Not one. Not in the beer line. Not in the concourse. Not in the stands. Nowhere. There, the 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 crowd was louder when we were on offense in third down than when they were in third down. It was disgusting. And I'm starting to think that perhaps this is the culture that Brady brought to this team. I think there was a dynamic shift when he came in to the kind of people who became Bucks fans and the kind of people who spend money to go sit in these seats. 
and they've ruined the culture. I would rather be terrible and surrounded by fans who love the team and stand up and cheer than what I saw this past Sunday. I, I hope we get slaughtered in every single one of these games because that's what that fan base I saw on Sunday deserved. Biggest grievance by far, the pretend fans in the stadium on Sunday. Yeah, it was uh, it was hard hearing those Who Day chants um, echo through Raymond James. It used to be, to your point, Tampa Bay, right? Hear that. So I'm with you, John. Fuck them. I mean, that's a city that puts chili on spaghetti. Like, that's that's the culture that you had to hear. That's pretty tough. Yeah, I... We're talking about that's a city the that team Ikea that just so took the Browns Ikea. jerseys for 20 years and just called themselves the Bengals. You know, like there is nothing original about the freaking Bengals. Nothing. I, I just, I can't stand it. And, and is this what we've done? You guys have been to games this season. Has it looked this bad? Hard to say. I mean, I don't think the Rams travel well. I don't think they really have a big fan base either to, be, to begin with. So that was the game we went to. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't – I'll give you 100%. It is not like what it used to be when uh, we were growing up and you had really passionate Tampa Bay fans. I know they're out there. I just think part of it is probably the ticket prices skyrocketing with Brady coming here. Now you only got, you know, people who, you know, have some money and don't get as rowdy, I guess, and it's going. But, um, yeah, and then, I mean – you're also charging up the butthole for parking around the stadium. Like, we used to be able to park right there for, like, 20 bucks right by the stadium and tailgate with everybody. These days, it's like 80 bucks just to park there. So, yeah, I'm going to say it's part of it has to deal with, you know, is on the bucks, you know? If you want your true fans to come back, why about we lower the prices a little bit and give the fans what they want? I just – I remember the post-Super Bowl era before – when there was a 10-year wait list for season tickets, when when you couldn't get into the stadium without wearing pewter and red. And now, I I mean, it, I was just absolutely blown away. It looked like those Rays games we used to go to when it was all Sox fans or all Yankees fans. And, and, like and they're all people. Who, <laughs> that's what it looks like. This this what it reminds me of. And it's it's disgusting. I, I don't now I no longer believe that the Super Bowl was worth it. I no longer think that that's the case. I, I'm starting to run out of, but you you guys can throw your hands up all you want. I'm, I'm what does the Super Bowl mean to me as a fan? That doesn't mean to me. me I don't, I'm not going to say that the second Super Bowl means more to me than the first one, but it mean it still means a lot. Like you won the Super. They're Bowl. all really good, and I yeah. and, and like, like what did what have they given the fans to cheer about? Low key, like. I can I can understand like if I see the second half start that way I'd be like here we go again like the same shit like I I understand like if I'm a fan being like this is some bullshit like the team is not I I don't want to go to a game because I don't want to spend two hundred dollars to go watch that team right now that team's terrible like I I unless we're playing like the USF Bulls I'm not convinced I'm going to see a win like I just I don't I don't gonna blame the fans I think part of the problem with Brady coming to town. Sorry to just say, John. I wouldn't. I'm not saying I disagree with your festivist. Sorry, but I don't. I I I like. I get a fan like not. And Brady coming to town brings out all these extras, like people that like they want to go watch Brady, and like their dad lived in Cincinnati for three years and got him a jersey. So like that's my team, I guess. Like I don't know. I just Brady brings out a lot of like riffraff from like traveling fans. I think, but I think the team is dog shit. I, 
I'm not going to a game. Like, I'm not going to a game this year. I mean, unless all of a sudden we look like us again. But I think this is us now, which is scary. Yeah. I, I, I think you. it's more towards the performance of what you're seeing in, in terms of, uh, you know, not, not super fandom in the stadium. But I, I do agree with certain points of that first Super Bowl definitely felt more homegrown than this last Super Bowl. So the effects of that, you know, going through the trials and tribulations that Saf and Brooks and Barber went to create that Super Bowl team lasted a lot longer into the 2005s where we had that Atlanta game. And I know you guys were there and the stadium's rocking and, and it's, it's all pewter and red. Um, I think to John's point, and I, and I would agree a little bit to it, that this last Super Bowl probably won't have that long lasting effect like the other one did because it was not as homegrown. I'm yeah, I, that's yeah, fair. Go ahead. Yeah, that's um, fair. No, I mean, it's certainly fair. And it, it just, it, it boggles my mind that maybe we did trade our soul for a second ring in that we traded the style of fans that we have. We traded our cap space, what we gave everything away to get it, to get a second Lombardi. And um, I hope it was worth it when, when I do it again. Season comes to a close. I really yeah, no, enjoyed no, the I mean, Super Bowl. But I mean, outside of, Brady, most of the stars of that team that won the Super Bowl were draft picks, right? Like we drafted them. They're their homegrown talent, if you will. But yes, Brady overshadows it all. And I think the other big thing is that they got to the playoffs and then won the Super Bowl. Right. It wasn't this build, this perpetual build to finally climb the mountaintop, like it was in that first Super Bowl, right? Where you're so close. Super Bowl, the Brady Super Bowl, they were all draft picks. Yeah, I mean, essentially, I mean, Gronk Mike Evans was a draft pick, Chris Godwin was Jensen a draft pick. I mean, all the defense is essentially a draft pick. Uh, I mean, outside of Antonio Brown and Tom Brady and Ornette. Rob Gronkowski, I guess. All right, those three, those three. <laughs> big guys, get big guys. I'll give you that. Um, so, well, the defense really won that Super Bowl, in my opinion, and that's all homegrown talent. True. As we look forward, we have uh, a game coming up in, in a couple days here on Christmas in the evening, and then we have two divisional games to round out the season, and then we most likely, as it stands right now, will be hosting a playoff game. Instead of picking a fantasy player, last thing we'll do to end today's, uh, to wrap up today's episode is, what team would you most like to face in this first round game coming up, considering how garbage we have been? How about you, Zach? Uh, I guess the Vikings. But, I mean, we can't get them because they won their division. So, the Lions, I guess. Not the Cowboys, for sure. Um, who else am I forgetting that is even in the chase down there? Because Cowboys are second from theirs, and then the Lions. I mean, it's oh, the Cowboys, Giants. Giants. Oh, Giants. Uh, Commanders and Lions, essentially, is – and Seahawks, yeah, me... sorry. Seahawks are still there. Uh, I guess – wait, Seahawks? One, two? It's hard to beat a team twice. Uh, I'd go Giants, I think. Quarterback has a really, like, like hittable face, and I think the team's kind of soft. I'll take the Giants. You know, NFL.com has us listed as in the hunt as the number four seed. 
That's what happens when you're six and eight. We're only one game of over the rest of the division, which is five and nine. Um, yeah, I guess to answer Someone's your question, I mean, it really, I mean, you, you either win the division, you play the Cowboys, because that's what's going to happen. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, honestly, I wouldn't mind playing the Cowboys if I lose, but you know, the Cowboys have a habit of um, finding a way to lose playoff games. So. And then there's history also with, you know, a division winner that had a losing record winning against the top wildcard team. I think Seattle did it in 2010. I want to say Carolina did it in 2014. So who knows, you know, but yeah, just if we somehow managed to win two games, one of them being against Carolina, it'll probably be the Cowboys we'll see for that wildcard round. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... If we could clone our team and then play them, I'd like to play ourselves. Because <laughs> it's the only one we have a chance of beating, I think. Um, let me, I'm going to throw something at you here, though, that maybe I think the Cowboys still have a chance to win the East. They play Eagles this week, and news just came out that Jalen Hurts is, uh, has a shoulder injury. Um, He's hurt. He's ah, there you go. Hurts is hurt. So if by some miracle or I wouldn't say miracle, if by some chance that Jalen Hurts is out for a playoff game, I I may even take the Eagles. Um, They look great, but we'll see how much of that is Jalen Hurts. And uh, I I just I don't think we're going to get to the likes of the commanders or the giants. I think the Cowboys have too much of a lead there that they're not going to move from the fifth spot unless they move to the top of the, uh, the top seed. So uh, I'll say the Eagles just for devil's advocacy here. Tom Brady loses to trace McSorley, whoever the frick is starting for Carolina, Sam Darnold and Desmond Ritter to end the season. (laughs) <laughs> does he have to come back for a thir- like a four, uh, 23rd season or 2023 because uh, there's there's no way he can go out losing those three quarters <laughs> not under contract <laughs> yeah these remaining three games are his festivus miracle that is what he gets is he gets the nobody scrubs to end this season and he has to show whether or not he's still the goat and uh whether or not you believe that he can be yeah, unfortunately, Trace McSorley is making his first NFL start, and the Bucks are 0-5 in the last game, those first start games. Another yeah. Festivus miracle. <laughs> and Cliff's fighting for his <laughs> Christmas job, right? Christmas night does not bode well for the Buccaneers. Maybe they'll break the trend. A Festivus miracle. There you go. A Festivus miracle. Well, thank you all for joining us again this week, and we hope you enjoyed this podcast more than you enjoyed this week's game. And join us again next week uh, as we wrap up after Christmas and look to our final two games. Uh, as we like to say here, go Bucks! Go Bucks! Go Bucks. Merry Christmas! Go Bucks!